0: My stories written by my dad. <laughs> it's my dad, too. Can we have our allowance now? The late bus.
1: Marco sat up a little straighter when Sally wandered into the bus room with a book in front of her. He couldn't see what it was, but he could tell it was different from his. That meant his plan hadn't worked. He put his book down, glancing at her, trying not to be too obvious. Sally was nice, smart, and kind and she didn't make fun of him for his accent, his nationality, or his name. The name was the worst part. There was a game kids played where one person called Marco and another called Polo while stumbling around a swimming pool with their eyes closed. It sounded fun, especially the swimming pool part. But when you're the new kid and your name is Marco and every girl in class thinks it's funny to shout it again and again in the hallway, at lunch, at recess, forcing you to say Polo, it got a little old. Sally didn't do that. She'd say Marco's name the normal way, like... Hey, Marco. But it was better than normal, kinder and sweeter. Of course, that was the rare occasion when she'd look up from her book. When she did, he'd smile, turn red, then stare at the ground. Marco wondered what she was reading now. He liked a lot of the same books. Percy Jackson, Harry Potter, Wings of Fire. Sally read them all. She was so fast that it was hard to keep up. Okay, it was impossible for him to keep up. But he did his best anyway. He'd visited the library where they knew what Sally was reading. The librarian there would secretly point Marco in the right direction. Lately, Sally had been reading scary stuff. It must have been because Halloween was right around the corner. Marco didn't like scary stuff. There were even parts of Harry Potter that freaked him out. Dementors were terrifying. Still, if it gave him and Sally something to talk about, he'd deal with the nightmares. They had libraries in Halloween and Puerto Rico, too. Things weren't that different there. But after Hurricane Maria, many of the libraries were ruined. They had no power for months, and some of the books were damaged. Halloween on the island wasn't all that different either. There was trick-or-treating and parties. But somehow, being in the States, especially New England at this time of year, felt scarier. He heard they used to burn witches here, and it was cold and the days were so short. He wasn't used to the way everything died. The leaves turned bright red and beautiful for a time. Then they fell, turning brown piling up everywhere. They'd blow and rustle in the cold wind while the trees turned bare and bony. And it was so dark. It was four in the afternoon, and it looked like the sun was already setting. Marco played violin, so he had to stay after school and take the late bus. Sally was laughing quietly to herself as she got in the bus line. Marco hadn't heard them call for people to line up yet, but he went anyway. He wandered toward her line, trying to see around her hand, There was an R and an L on the book cover. He wanted to get closer, but some other kids got in line in front of him. He recognized the Barlson brothers, who usually sat in the back of his class, but only when they showed up for school. They weren't people you went around, or that you did anything to get the attention of when they were near. They smelt bad, and their clothes were shoddy, dirty, and torn, as if they'd been buried or something. They must really like digging holes, Marco thought, noticing clods falling off them. They were a lot bigger than him, too. He'd heard horror stories about the beatings they gave. Marco started packing away. Then as Sally went up the steps to the bus, she glanced back over her shoulder. She smiled and gave him a little wave. Marco waved back, then glanced at the floor, turning red just as predicted. The line started moving. As his eyes went down, he noticed the book cover. There was a wolf on it, a big scary one under a full moon. Well, I'm not reading that, he thought, as he started forward going up the steps. He was on the top one when he looked at the driver and realized he was getting on the wrong bus. Marco's driver was a middle-aged woman. This guy on Sally's bus looked like he was closer to a hundred, with long, bony fingers and eyes sunk so deep in his skull that they were barely there. Marco turned to leave, but more students were coming up the stairs. Oh no, he thought, seeing Lucius Demeritus in the way. Lucius was not a nice person. He was one of those popular kids you hear about, the really terrible ones. He was handsome and cruel. He smiled at Marco. Where are you going, Mr. Polo? Lucius had his crew behind him. Two characters who looked like they could be his gothic clones. One was a boy and one was a girl. Both attractive and both sinister. Um, Marco said. Take a seat, the bus driver ordered in an icy voice. There was no arguing. Marco started walking down the road. It was getting dark inside, with the failing light. He passed the Brawlsons, who looked up at him strangely. There were other kids on the bus, too, from other schools. He felt them looking at him as well. He tried not to make eye contact. They were hard to ignore, though. Many were hidden in shadow, but he could have sworn he saw one with really bad skin, almost scaly, and another wrapped in bandages. He didn't want to stare, But the feeling wasn't mutual, because everyone's eyes were on him. He looked over his shoulder. Lucius was right there. Marco debated pushing past to get out. Then he saw Sally. Her eyes were down, looking at the book in her hand. Marco sat next to her, relieved to be down low, out of everyone's view. Sally was surprised.
0: Marco, what are you doing here?
1: He felt the wheels start to move, and the engine made a grumbling noise that drowned out the whispering of the other passengers. I think I got on the wrong bus.
0: Yeah, I'd say. You've got to get off.
1: She sounded upset as she sat up straight. The bus pulled out onto the road, going faster than it really should have in a school zone. Marco looked around. I don't know if that's an option anymore. What happens now?
0: I'm not sure, but I know you don't want to get off in my neighborhood. Sally said.
1: Hey, don't worry. I know how to handle myself. Marco said, trying to sound tough.
0: You're funny, Marco. Marco.
1: She pointed ahead to the Barlson brothers. They were easy to find since there was a cloud of flies circling above them.
0: You think you could handle one of those guys?
1: Marco had always avoided looking at the brothers. This was the first time he noticed how pale they were, even paler than your average New Englander. He glanced over at Lucius and his crew. They were pale too, but in a different way, more waxy, less putrid. Lucius turned at that moment as if he knew Marco was looking at him. He smiled again. And Marco couldn't help thinking his teeth looked extra pointy. Marco ducked down in his seat and turned to Sally. All these kids live in your neighborhood? Her book was on her lap. He could plainly see the word werewolf written on the front. He remembered the way she'd been laughing while reading it. What could be so funny about werewolves?
0: Live? That's an interesting choice of words,
1: Sally said. What do you mean? Marco didn't want to look up again, but he still had the feeling that everyone was staring at him. Somewhere in the back of the bus, in the dark, he heard something slimy, slipping and oozing.
0: What's your favorite scary story? Sally asked.
1: It took him a moment to admit. Actually, I don't really like scary stories.
0: Really? Because I thought I saw you with that house clock book. You know, back when I was reading it.
1: She noticed, Margot thought. So his plan had worked. Yeah, well, that wasn't that scary. And I, I was only reading it because, um, you know... He shrugged.
0: No, I don't know.
1: Marco's eyes were stuck on the floor. Well, because you were reading it. I was hoping it'd give us something to talk about. Sally was quiet while she processed this. How come you were laughing at this one? It doesn't look funny. It obviously wasn't a regular wolf on the cover. The creature was standing on two legs, howling at the pale moon behind it. If that wasn't enough to tip him off, then the title, The Werewolf of Fever Swamp, certainly let him know.
0: Are you kidding? This book is hilarious. But I find every book about werewolves funny. None of them get it right. Sally pointed out. Really? Marco said,
1: wondering what made her such an expert.
0: Look, you're going to have to get off. And soon. It's not safe.
1: She glanced out the window at the sky. The clouds were beautiful, glowing with the last rays of sunshine while the sun dropped from view. Marco! Someone called in a sing-song voice from the front of the bus. He was pretty sure it was Lucius. Marco almost sat up a little straighter to see over the seats, but Sally grabbed his arm. Don't, she said.
0: Marco!
1: Another voice that he didn't recognize called, probably one of Lucius' friends. Then the rest of them joined in. Marco, Marco! Marco! They called, and it sounded like the voices were getting closer and louder. He glanced out in the center passage, but didn't see anyone approaching. It almost sounded like they were coming from the top of the bus. Don't look, Sally said, but he couldn't help himself. His eyes drifted up to the shadows. There was Lucius and his crew crawling along the ceiling towards him with their eyes glowing. Hi, Marco, Lucius said, taking a moment to show his fangs and hiss.
0: I told you not to look,
1: Sally pointed out. She sounded less scared and more embarrassed.
0: You're never going to be able to unsee that,
1: she said while reaching down and picking up Marco's violin case. May I? She asked politely. She was already opening it. She took out the bow the stick violinists used to make sound by moving across the strings. While that sound could be horrifying and painful, especially at the elementary school level, that wasn't why Sally wanted it. She touched the pointy tip, oh. then she stood up and said to Lucius,
0: Come any closer, your friends will have to explain why you have a musical instrument sticking out of your chest.
1: She pointed it at them. We're just playing, Sally. She pulled her arm back, holding the bow like a sword. You're no fun. Lucius dropped back down into his seat. He stuck his head up again and taunted. By the way, it's supposed to be a full moon tonight. I know. Sally said, settling into her seat. She didn't notice Lucius leaning forward and whispering to the Barlson brothers. Um, Marco said, staring at her. She dropped her book, so he bent down and picked it up. He handed it to her and kept staring. His mouth was open, but he couldn't get anything to come out. Sally was looking straight ahead at the seat back.
0: Yeah, so, the thing about scary stories...
1: She paused, carefully putting the bow away, closing the case and handing it to Marco. She finally looked at him while touching his arm.
0: The thing about them is that some of them are a little bit truish.
1: She shrugged. Um, Marco said, still not sure how to respond. He was looking at her hand. Somehow, Sally grabbing his arm was more exciting than seeing vampires hanging from the school bus ceiling. He knew he had questions, but he couldn't think of them right then. He wasn't going to get a chance either. From the front, someone else called Marco. "'Marco, you are Kenny
0: in your pocket!'
1: But it was different this time. The voice was low and grumbly. She held onto his arm. "'Come on,' she said, getting up. She bounced over him and dropped down into the alley. Marco was impressed by how agile she was. She pulled him behind her. They could hear the heavy footsteps of the Barlson brothers coming closer. "'Do you want my bow back?' Marco asked. He was dragging the violin case in his backpack with him.
0: "'It wouldn't do any good against those guys.' They're dead, but not vampires.
1: One of the Barlsons said, Marco, there you are. I'm going to shake you till the candy comes out. He was a large shadow, blocking out any light from the front of the bus. What are they then? Marco asked as Sally dragged him towards the back.
0: Reanimated corpses, like in H.P. Lovecraft. Look, you can read the story later. You know, if you survive this. Speaking of which, try to ignore the fishmen in the last seat.
1: Marco looked at the back row. He saw fish scales and large yellow eyes staring at him. What the... He started. Like you're such a prize catch. The fish man responded as he turned back to his phone and his game of candy crush. Um, sorry, Marco said. They were at the back door. Sally grabbed the emergency latch and started pulling. That's when Marco felt something wrap around his leg. He looked down, seeing a tentacle. It was long and sinuous. Climbing up past his knee, he tried to see where it was coming from, but there was only darkness in the last row, on the opposite side of the fishman. Eyes began to open the blackness. One by one, yellow and glowing, they stared at him with dawning madness. Marco was repulsed, but unable to move. That's when Sally managed to get the door open. The street was rushing by. There was a breeze that finally broke the spell the creature cast over Marco. He was about to open his mouth to scream, but Sally didn't give him the chance. She reached down, grabbing the tentacle, pulling it off his leg.
0: Can I borrow this? Thanks,
1: she asked the blackness. Then she pulled Marco in tight next to her, and she swung out the door, holding on to the tentacle. It was springy, like a bungee cord, letting them bounce a little as they hit the ground. Inside, something roared outraged. <laughs> they landed in the street and rolled. Marco was laying on his back. What the? "'What the... what was that?' he asked. Sally got up and held her hand down to him.
0: "'That was a baby old one, though I guess the name is a contradiction in terms. "'There's some sort of ancient evil, again, H.P. Lovecraft. "'They don't really do much, just talk about how great they are "'and give people nightmares with their telepathy.
1: "'In their tentacles and those eyes!' he shook his head, "'then took her hand and got to his feet. "'Nightmares, you say? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've got those coming.'
0: "'You'll be all right.'
1: "'Sally said. He was about to ask her how, but then he looked at the bus. "'The door was still open, and two things had fallen out the back. "'They hit the ground like garbage sacks, plopping down. "'Then they got up and started stumbling and shuffling towards Marco and Sally. "'Marco, we're coming for your candy. "'Yeah, we want your candy. "'Maybe we should run,' Marco said.
0: "'Why?' Look at these guys. We could be out for a leisurely stroll and they wouldn't be able to catch up.
1: She turned and started walking away, taking Marco's hand. Marco started pulling ahead, struggling to get his backpack on while still holding her hand. Yeah, but what if they follow me home? We should run so we can lose them. Sally nodded, but she was looking up at the sky.
0: It might be too late for that. Why?
1: Marco asked. Sally's voice was different when she responded.
0: You haven't asked yourself why I was on a bus full of monsters?
1: He felt her hand change. It grew larger and hairy. Then he looked up at her. Where Sally had been standing, there was now a creature. It was covered in fur and had a mouth full of long canine teeth. Its ears were pointed up. They turned at a sound. Ooh, Marco got himself a puppy, one of the Barsons called. Of course, Sally wasn't a puppy. She was a werewolf. Petting her would have been a mistake. She let go of Marco's hand. He felt the claws slip past. Then she turned to the Barsons and growled. She was still smaller than them. She wasn't much larger as a wolf than she was as a girl. But she was fast and vicious. She galloped down the road, springing on one of the brothers and tearing into him. When she bounced away, it was with an arm in her mouth. Oh, bad poppy! The brother called, holding the spot where his arm had been. Sally spat the arm at him.
0: Get out of here before you lose anything else,
1: she growled. The brother bent down and picked up his arm, while the other one said, Don't worry, Mom can sew it back on. The one-armed brother looked at the werewolf. You're no fun, Sally.
0: Yeah, I get that a lot,
1: Sally said, turning back to Marco. She stalked towards him on all fours. Marco was standing perfectly still, not wanting to do anything to upset her.
0: You look scared, Marco. Um, yeah,
1: Marco agreed.
0: Don't be. Come on, I'll walk you home.
1: Sally started down the street ahead of him. Marco took a moment. He finally got his backpack on, then he shrugged. He followed her off into the night. It was a long way back to his house. Don't worry kids, Marco was just fine. Sally was a nice werewolf, I swear. Of all the Halloween monsters, those fuzzy guys are my favorite. Maybe it's because I'm a dog person. Once, when I was a kid, I used a thrift store fake fur coat to make a full werewolf costume. It was a warm Halloween that year, so by the end of the night I was a very sweaty ten-year-old. If you're wondering who H.P. Lovecraft was, since his name came up a few times, he was a writer from Providence, my home state of Rhode Island. His weird cosmic horror influenced everyone from Mike Mignola, the creator of Hellboy, to Stephen King, to my personal favorite, Neil Gaiman. My brother loved scary stories when we were kids, and he had a few of Lovecraft's books. I didn't read them, though, not when I was little. I waited till I was older, because the covers alone were enough to creep me out. I have to admit, even Scooby-Doo was sometimes too much for me, but I'd still watch, because being a little scared can be fun. Just remember, it's all make-believe. Who would have thought I'd grow up to write a book with ghosts in it? Of course, it's got pirates, too, and Irish legends and a cranky dog. It's called The Curse of Purgatory Cove, and it's out now. You can order it from Amazon or Barnes & Nobles, or you can request it at your local bookstore. If you're in New England, you might even find it on the shelf at Corner Store Books in Providence, Inkfish Books in Warren, or Barrington Books at any other locations. It's also at the Spirit of 76 bookstore in Marblehead, not far from Salem. The wonderfully worrisome music for this story was provided by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening.